0: Do you ever feel like your kid just dawdles or is distracted at the table? Or that in attempts to maybe get some of that family time or that one-on-one time at the table, you allow them to stay at the table a little longer than you know is probably realistic? Or maybe you're wondering, do they literally need to eat more? And is my child, who seems like a slow eater, really need this time? We are going to dive into all these things and more so that you know how I, as a dietitian mom of three, would answer the question, How do you handle a slow eater? and say a quick prayer for you. It's time to chat about the mealtimes, messes, moments, and ministry of motherhood. A mom by the name of Nicole in the Veggies and Virtue community had submitted a question that she wanted answered on the show, talking about how do we handle when our children or a specific child is a slow eater. So we're going to get into all the details of what you can expect in terms of how long is too long for it to take for a child to eat at the table, kind of some of the things that may be taking up some of that time that aren't necessarily productive to their nutritional health, and also some of the things that you can consider as to whether or not the cues that you're giving are really effective for your intended outcome. But first I want to go ahead and share a review of the week and just thank Baby JPB for sharing her five-star review of Voice of Encouragement. She shares, I've followed Ashley for many years on social media. Her love it, like it, learning it method changed the trajectory of our family life years ago. This podcast occasionally isn't on my top listens as I enjoy non-parenting content too. And every time I come back to it, I'm amazed by how empowering it is. Ashley speaks from her heart and you can tell besides her obvious qualifications and intelligence that she is a gifted encourager. This podcast is actionable and empathetic at the same time, which is probably why it's so impactful. So I just want to thank you so much baby JPB for taking that time and just knowing that you always have a place here. I do always want each of you to feel like you can come pull up a stool at my kitchen counter anytime you want. And I hope that's often and I hope that this is a prompt to remind you that sometimes I am on the top listens or sometimes I'm not to go Go and follow the show so it's auto-populating in your feed so you remember every Monday and Wednesday when a new episode goes live and can tune in to be encouraged in similar ways. So thank you again for leaving this sweet review. Thank you for each of you who take the time to leave me reviews. It both encourages me and also helps me to continue this mission of encouraging other moms in the mealtimes, the messes, and the moments in ministry of motherhood. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and jump into Nicole's question. So I don't know a ton about Nicole. I have DM'd with her a few times on Instagram, but really this was just a question asked in a question box that I put on my stories on Instagram where I was asking for, what would you like an upcoming episode on? And the only context I got for it was how to handle a slow eater. So just so you know that this isn't a family I've worked with one-on-one and I have, you know, a more thorough understanding of the age or feeding stage of the child, the family dynamics the mealtime environment, any of some of those things that I would definitely want to know if I was working individually with this family. This is a more general broad stroke approach for those of you who I maybe have never talked to, but who are struggling with having a slow eater at home and wanting to know what is the high level overview of how to approach having a slow eater. So the first thing I want us to talk about is how long is too long to sit at the table. And some of this can be Just based on your family dynamics, some of this can be cultural or religiously related. Everyone's going to have a different threshold of what they consider an acceptable amount of time at the table. Speaking from a feeding sense specifically, depending on some of the different episodes you might have heard me share or previous blog posts on creating structure and routine in your family's feeding environment kind of the average goal that we're looking for is around two to five minutes per year of age. And again, this is going to be a range. Different meals are going to demand different amounts of time. If a child's sitting at a restaurant, it'll probably take longer for us to go through the meal than it would if we were at home on a busy weeknight. And so there is a range, but this also helps give you a target range to work towards. And that can be working towards it if you've listened to my episode on how to keep your child seated and your child maybe eats too quickly or just gets up from the table prematurely, oftentimes skipping eating altogether. I'll link that previous episode in the show notes. But also it can be if your child is a slow eater and you're wondering how do we move on with our life and how do we consolidate this mealtime so that it's just more realistic with the demands of everything else we have going on during the day. So that two to five minute per year of age is a pretty accepted range on both sides of what gives children enough time but also not so much time that a meal is, you know, occupying an unnecessary or excessive amount of your day. So if you look at, say, a two-year-old, you're looking at four to 10 minutes is probably developmentally appropriate for them to be able to sit at that. If you have a two-year-old, maybe you've already worked up to that, or maybe you're working down to that because a two-year-old could be getting up from the table prematurely, as I talk about in that other episode linked below, but it also could be that coming off of infancy, I know my kids took forever to eat as babies, and so I had to expect it was maybe going to take us 45 minutes, especially if you're factoring in the getting in the high chair and then the getting out of the high chair and the cleaning of the baby phase. Meals could take a really long time. So again, you might be working up towards this goal range, or you might be working down to it and trying to kind of consolidate the amount of time that a meal is taking. However, if you again, I don't know the age of this specific child of Nicole's child that she's maybe asking specific to, but it could be, let's say, a five year old. And, you know, our goal is going to be 10 minutes to 25 minutes. Usually, I think 20 to 30 minutes is pretty appropriate for most children as a goal, especially if we're looking at a dinner meal. But when we look at even school nutrition standards and, you know, what the expectation would be if our kids are in preschool or in grade school and kind of the average amount of time that they need to be able to eat within. Generally, we're looking at a 20 to 30 minute range of time that they get to eat. Now in school, sometimes you'll see it referred to as seat time because the process of getting to a cafeteria or getting their lunch boxes and washing their hands or getting a lunch tray, and some of that transitional time isn't actual usable time for them to be at the table. But I think this can be a helpful reference as we think through how long is long enough or how long is too long for a child with Developmentally, what other constraints do they have on their time during their day? So, while I'll be speaking about this more in the context of how it applies to dinner, because that tends to be the meal that most families are going to sit at the table for, if any, we can utilize that estimated range in any meal time or snack time so that it helps give us some neutrality in the behaviors that we're expecting from our children. But for the context of this, if your child is taking longer than, say, 30 minutes to eat a meal, there's a few things that we want to begin considering. First and foremost, it is important, and as I mentioned in infancy, oral motor development is developing. And so their hand-eye coordination, their fine motor coordination, their feeding skills, there's so many things Being developed in that season that it does take infants often longer to eat so this you know two to five minutes per year of age i would consider an exemption for infancy because they often can actively being be engaged with the eating process and actively be eating for easily 30 minutes it just takes them longer and while that requires an extra dose of patience for us as parents That can still be developmentally appropriate, but as we see kids get older, we want to see that their feeding skills are sufficient to sustain life demands. Because even in our homes, if we're trying to really pour into that time together at the table and optimize it as an opportunity for connection, we still have to factor in that there's going to be other situations where they need to be able to eat rather quickly just based off life demands. And so we want to make sure, and sometimes we can use the time that it's taking them as a way to observe quantitatively, do they have the feeding skills necessary to sufficiently feed themselves? And if not, that's where we need to be looking into additional feeding evaluation and feeding support so that whether it be working with a dietitian, a speech language pathologist, or an occupational therapist, we know that we're supporting our child in the ways that they need to be able to eat quickly enough. Again, we're not looking to swing the other end of the spectrum where they're eating too fast, but we do wanna make sure that there's not something that mechanically or developmentally is ma- is causing the struggle or the delay in their eating patterns. Additionally, we wanna think through some of the things like I mentioned, like this time of connection. Is it that maybe the only time you really get, especially if you're a working parent and your child's in school or in daycare all day, and that time together at the table is really the only one-on-one time, or slow time for connection as a family, sometimes children can crave that more than the food itself. And so they're looking to drag that on as long as possible so that they can inadvertently get more time at the table. Now, this isn't something to make you feel guilt or shame if that is a scenario playing out in your family. But again, I want to bring some things to the surface for you that you can consider and ultimately rule out if it's not a factor that you see playing out in your home, but also lean into if it is, because there's other ways, just as I said, you can seek out additional feeding support if the mechanics of eating are help, are making your child take too long to eat. But same here, if the need for connection is creating a feeding environment that's just taking too long for your child to eat, there are other things we can do outside of the mealtime itself to help generate that type of connection that then helps us set more concrete boundaries on the mealtime itself. Additionally, some things to consider and either rule out or lean into would be things like distractions. Are there TVs on in the background? Anyone who has ever had a child sitting at the table, we don't usually have the TV on, but one of my husband's biggest pet peeves is that if it's football season and he wants to have a game on during dinner, Our kids just cannot focus. And I can guarantee the meal will take much longer whether they're actively eating or not. So considering things like iPad use, TV being on in the background, and or even things like parents reading books to kids. I work with a lot of clients where they say, is this bad? I feel like it's better than TV, but I still feel like maybe I'm just pacifying, you know, my approach here. And so thinking through, are there distractions? Of course, things like toys at the table can be a distraction, can delay their progress in actually eating at the meal. So you want to consider if and what distractions are at the table. Because even things like some of the novelty ideas that I encourage as some of the tactics to use when helping our kids learn to like new foods can backfire if they become so distracting that they're delaying the objective of also sitting, enjoying, and eating the meal. We also want to think through just dynamics. This comes a little bit later, you know, after infancy and toddlerhood, but as our kids do start to assume more self-feeding skills, sometimes we lapse in preparing the food for them in the way that we once did. And so instead of cutting it all up and having it all ready for them, we're expecting more of them than it is really age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for them. And so we want to think about is something that's delaying the amount of time that you're taking at the table. Similar to how I was talking about with school, how there's seat time, but there's also transitional time. We need to think about in terms of, you know, the cutting up of, you know, particularly like meats is, an, is a common one. If our kids don't have the strength to be able to use a fork and knife and the coordination to do so yet, do they need assistance with that? Is this that it's taking too long because they need to get up and get a drink of water or the table wasn't properly set? Or if we're serving family style, that process in and of itself, that transitional time is taking a long time to help us get to the moment of actually being able to eat and kind of like going through a little bit of a time log in terms of how long is it taking for your family to actually get to the point of being able to actively eat. Because if you're already 10 minutes in and you're still cutting up food and you're still getting waters and someone got a napkin and you're still passing food around, you're already 10 minutes into the meal. And if your child is already a slower eater, you really need to look at some ways that you can create some efficiencies there. Additionally, some obvious things that we see, especially with school, I can tell you almost every time my child comes back with a lunchbox that's barely eaten, I can say, or I can ask, tell me what you talked about at school today at lunch, or tell me who you were talking to in the cafeteria. Because most of the time I know That the distraction and the delay and why they could not eat more out of their lunchbox or why they chose not to eat more is because they were talking. And this is a beautiful part of mealtimes. We do want to reinforce that the feeding environment and being at the table together is about more than just eating. However, obviously the objection is also to have our kids be fueled as they sit at the table and engage. And so finding that balance between how much talk time they have, also helping empower them to be a good listener and ask, you know, interesting questions of others to give everyone different opportunities to both eat and talk and engage can be something that can be really important to measure, but also to monitor as we kind of move into this next thing of considering what cues you're giving around the mealtime itself. So if you notice that your child's a particularly slow eater, are you constantly telling them hurry up or you need to finish or get going or, you know, these prompts that may not be helping you to maintain and foster the type of feeding environment that you're looking for. Additionally, they might be creating inadvertently pressure. You know, If you know the division of responsibility that I speak from in this responsive feeding approach, we are not looking to create pressure in the feeding relationship. We want to provide them ample opportunities to learn to like new foods and the interactions that, that foster that. But if we're prompting them to hurry up or to finish their food or to get going, or some of these things, it can inadvertently be perceived as a form of pressure. It can escalate maybe their anxiety over if they need to eat. Additionally, we want to ask ourselves the cue of, are we expecting them to finish their plate? That would not be consistent with a responsive feeding approach. Again, I come from the position of it's a parent's job to offer what, when, and where food is offered, and it, the child gets to decide if and how much they eat from that. So, if as a parent, we're not allowing our child up from the table until they've cleared, they've cleaned their plate, not necessarily cleared their plate, but cleaned off the elements of food on their plate, that might be a cue that you're part of the problem here and that you're expecting them to eat. In a way that is you controlling it rather than them having a sense of self-regulation that may dictate that they are done much sooner than they feel that they have the permission to. Instead of some of those prompts as our cue to hurry them up and get them up and finish eating and all of that, I want to encourage you to, depending on the age of your child and where they're at developmentally, consider some sort of a visual or a verbal cue. Visual cues are things like a visual timer. It might be a sand timer, like the ones that kids are given at the dentist. Granted, that's only for two minutes, but you can get them in larger time increments, like 45 minutes, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, and you can, again, work towards a goal Using these so your child can visually see this timer is running out. There is half the sand left in the timer. The amount of sand is getting smaller. They can visually learn to pace themselves with a visual cue like that. That's really effective for younger kids, specifically kids like six and under who maybe don't know how to tell time yet or may need just a little bit more visual cues to help themselves be paced throughout the meal or the feeding process. Older kids may take fine to verbal cues where they have a little bit better understanding of time. So if you say we're halfway through the meal, that helps them realize you're halfway through. If if we're going to allow 30 minutes for a meal, we're 15 minutes through. Again, your child has to developmentally have some sense of time or some sense of how to measure time in order for that verbal cue to really mean much to them. You can also begin to give gentle cues of, We have five minutes left until we need to be done with dinner. Again, this might just be to create consistency and routine in your home. It might also be because you need to get out the door to another activity or event and you actually have to be done eating at that time in order to move on with whatever else you have going on. But be aware of what cues you're using because sometimes we're using prompts or pressure tactics that are actually preventing our child from being able to self-regulate, tune into those internal cues and to know if and when they're done, and if they're not, how they can have a sense of self-efficacy to eat in a manner that's consistent with the time bounds that your family has around a given meal. So to recap the three main things that we talked about for how to handle a slow eater, I want you to think about, first of all, how long is too long? Practically speaking for your family, knowing that I would suggest give or take 20 to 30 minutes being an appropriate amount of time for an average meal and a Typically developing child to be able to eat within it. However, you also want to consider other things like the social or cultural dynamics in your home that may dictate the length of time that feels appropriate to your family. Second is begin to observe what seems to be taking your child so long. First and foremost, we want to make sure that if your child is typically developing You may not have any known oral motor deficits, but you want to identify, is this something where it takes them a really long time to self-feed or to chew? Or are there other things that are making them take longer, like the distractions of the things around them at the table or even things like talking at the table? Additionally, we want to look for, are they... Seeking connection. Are they seeking connection with you at the table that's causing them to prolong the time together at the table? Or are they seeking assistance and they need you to help cut their food or refill their water or do some of these things that could maybe be done in advance of the meal to create some added efficiencies? And third and final, we want to reconsider what our cues are to help our child pace themselves through the meal so that they can begin to thrive within the amount of time that we really have allotted for a meal. So instead of pressuring or provoking them to finish up or hurry up, we want to think about how we can support our child with visual or verbal cues that help them to have some gauge on where they're at in the meal so that they can finish and feel satisfied I hope that this was helpful for Nicole and families like Nicole's who maybe have a slow eater at the table and want to enjoy that time together, but also want to know how to set age-appropriate limits and boundaries in a loving and supportive way. If you ever have a question, make sure to go to veggiesandvirtuecom forward slash ask. That's just A-S-K. You can leave me a voice memo there. Or if you're a member of my email community, know that you can hit reply anytime to each of my weekly emails. And ask me directly a question that you may have. I'd be happy to help you then and there in whatever way that I can. And I'd also love to feature your question on an upcoming show so that other families can benefit from the advice and the insight on how to handle feeding dilemmas that so many of us face. Otherwise, tap follow on your podcast player so that you see the Veggies and Virtue podcast each and every time a new episode goes live.